Hello, it's Technology Corner for the week of December 3, 2006. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in far less than an hour because we leave out the sports, the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Now here's an exciting topic, domain name service, DNS, name servers. Yeah, a lot of excitement there. Let's start with a little background. The domain name service, as I mentioned, DNS, is what stores and associates a lot of different types of information with domain names. According to an article in Wikipedia, the most important of these is that it translates domain names, also called computer host names, to IP addresses. It also lists mail exchange servers that accept email for each domain, and providing worldwide keyword-based redirection service, DNS is an essential component of contemporary Internet use. Thank you, Wikipedia. Now, what does that mean in plain English? Okay, what that means in plain English, you want to visit the TechBiter site or the Technology Corner site, so you type in www.techbiter.com or www.technology-corner.com. You type either one of those into the web browser's address line because that's where you want to go. Well, the Internet doesn't understand either one of those. All the Internet understands is 70.96.188.38. That's the IP address for the website. You could type that IP address Well, no, you can't type that IP address in. Well, you could type that IP address in, but you wouldn't go to the Technology Corner website. And there's a good reason for that. It involves some hocus-pocus that happens at the uh, website hosting service. There's actually one IP address that's associated with hundreds or perhaps thousands of domains. But 70.96.188.38 is the IP address for Technology Corner, along with some other people. Would you be able to remember that for very long? Probably not. So that's why the domain name service is important. Every Internet service provider runs its own DNS. You might recall several months ago I tried to tell Wide Open West that they were having name server problems. The technician I spoke with told me that was impossible, of course, because WOW didn't have any name servers, which told me immediately he wasn't the level 2 technician he claimed to be. All ISPs run their own name servers. When I reported the problem, I was having trouble connecting to websites, and that's a classic textbook example of a DNS problem. When I complained to WOW's corporate office, I was assured the gentleman I had spoken to, who had claimed to be a Level 2 technician, was no such thing. Well, in early November, I saw a similar problem. Websites would just periodically disappear one evening. Fortunately, I had just heard from Gary Freeland that week. Gary listened to Technology Corner when it was on WTVN. He continues to listen now that it's expanded from local radio to worldwide coverage on the Internet. And he had written to ask me about Open DNS. I thought I'd give the service a try, and after trying it briefly, all I could say was, wow, and I don't mean wide open west. Using open DNS seems to be modestly faster than using WOW's DNS, even when WOW's service is running the way it's supposed to be. According to the people who run open DNS, open DNS runs a really big, smart cache. So every OpenDNS user benefits from the activities of broader OpenDNS user base. Beyond that, OpenDNS runs a high-performance network, which is geographically distributed, and they can show you a network map on their website, and serviced by several redundant connections. 
Open DNS responds to your query from the nearest location. That means we're very fast and extremely reliable to boot. Pretty good claims, and I found that they're actually pretty darn accurate. But there are other advantages. Cost, for example. It's free. You get free DNS with your Internet service provider. Well, not free. It's just included in the price. You don't have to pay anything else extra for it. Well, open DNS, you don't have to pay anything extra for it either. Intelligence. Now, this is kind of neat. OpenDNS fixes typos and URLs that you enter whenever it can. For example, you type craigslist.org, meaning to type org. It's going to take you right to craigslist.org because there is no .org, and craigslist.org exists. That's pretty smart. Something else it does is they keep track of phishing sites. And if you try to visit a site that is known to be a rogue site, you're going to be warned. OpenDNS will still let you go there, but they'll warn you before you do. There's no software to install. All you have to do is tell your computer to send DNS requests to OpenDNS instead of your possibly brain-dead ISP's DNS. If you have a router, you'll do that by modifying the DNS entries in the router. If you don't have a router, you'll change the settings on your computer. OpenDNS explains what you need to do. In the several weeks that I've had OpenDNS installed, I ran into exactly one problem. One site that I tried to visit that would not open trying to go through OpenDNS. It wasn't a rogue site. It was a commercial site of some sort that I needed to get to to get some information for my business. Fortunately, I was connected to my office computer, so I brought the site up on the office computer. Within a few hours, the problem had been resolved through OpenDNS. I've not seen that recur. So if you're using an ISP such as Wide Open West that can't tell a name server from a hole in the ground, OpenDNS is essential. It's far more reliable than the DNS service that most ISPs provide. And even if your ISP provides a good, reliable name server, it's faster. And there's that safety feature built in. You may be wondering how OpenDNS makes money. I mean, they have to provide computers, they have to provide Internet connectivity, they have to provide people to run these things. So how do they make money? They don't charge anybody for anything. Well, they do charge somebody for something. Let's say you enter an incorrect website address. Perhaps you think there's a website called Cowboy Boots, and for all I know, there is. You type in Cowboy Boots, and let's say there isn't a website called Cowboy Boots. What OpenDNS will do is it will open a search page, and it'll perform a search for you based on cowboy boots. In fact, I'm going to try that. Let's get a window open. Let's just go www.cowboyboots. I'm not even going to put a .com. It's thinking. Okay, OpenDNS says you typed www.cowboyboots, which doesn't currently resolve. It offers to tell me more about why that is. We've provided the search results below to help you find the site you intended to visit. So I have men's western boots at Shumall. I have from Flickr photos tagged with cowboy boots. I have <laughs> I have the leader shop, uh, leader hose, leader jeans, leader jacket. Uh, that's German. So that's if you're a German cowboy, that's where you'd want to go. And look at this. There is a cowboy boots, www.cowboyboots.com. If I had typed that, I would have gone right there. So that's that's probably what I would have been looking for. But since I mistyped it, OpenDNS stepped in and told me where I should really be going. This is the kind of thing that 
is really pretty neat. If you make a mistake, OpenDNS tries to save you if you're going to a bad site by accident. If you're going to trying to go to a legitimate site but you've mistyped it and it knows where you're going, it'll try to take you there. And if that fails, then it will show you a search page. Pretty clever. And, did I mention, it's free. Free and useful. How can it help but get five cats? I noticed in my email the other day that someone from Wagged had sent me a message, or it certainly looked like it. Uh, Wagged caught my attention uh, because Wagged.com is part of Wagner Edstrom worldwide, one of the larger PR firms. Uh, Microsoft uses Wagner Edstrom, so I hear from them on occasion. When I opened the message, I noticed, however, that it was from someone called crook at wagged.com. It was just another spam for fake watches. But I thought there was some truth in spamming there with the word crook. So the message proved that, once again, crooks really aren't too bright. This one misspelled your. It misspelled the word wait. It misspelled refund, and it misspelled shipping. And, of course, Wagner Edstrom had absolutely nothing to do with it. But I decided, since I had it open, that I would see what I could find out about this particular little spam. It wanted to send me to wester, W-E-S-T-E-R-R, dot com. That's a site that's registered to someone in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I tried to go there, but it redirects automatically to eonlinewatch.com. That one's registered to someone in Garden Grove, California. When you go to the website, you find that they're selling Rolex watches. Well, replicas, it says. Patek Philippe, Cartier, Breitling, Omega, replicas. you got to kind of wonder, what about trademark infringement? I've spent some time in New York City, and if you walk around Midtown, you find people with cases full of watches. They set up on corners until the police come and chase them away, or in some cases arrest them and sell fake watches for 25 30 bucks a piece. In a lot of cases, you'd find that those spelled Rolex with two L's. In this case, the company involved is spelling everything exactly and using all the right trademarks and calling them replicas. I wonder how they get away with that. I have a feeling that Rolex, Patek Philippe, Cartier, Breitling, and Omega don't really approve of all this replica stuff. But that got me thinking, what kind of a fool would spend $10,000 for a watch? And that led to the other thought of what kind of fool would pay more than $200 for a counterfeit. I guess I just don't understand. Received a spam at the office this week. This time they were going to give me a BMW and 500,000 pounds. Said that I'd won that in a lottery. Well, in less than a second, I knew that wasn't the case. I knew pretty much what it was, what the pitch would be, how the scam would work, and why I wouldn't be receiving any money or the car. It's not that these things are even very difficult to see through. The creatures who create them are crafty, sure, but they're not very intelligent. It doesn't take more than casual observation to spot the tricks and the mistakes in the message. Visit the website, www.techbiter.com, T-E-C-H-B-Y-T-E-R.com, or use that IP address I gave you a while ago. And take a look at the message itself. It's a very long message. Let's go through it and deconstruct it big giveaway right at the beginning. Clue number one is that the message was sent to undisclosed recipients, yet it's a grand prize. Don't you think that just one person would receive the message, that it wouldn't be sent to undisclosed recipients, meaning it went to a lot of people? 
Uh, clue number two is I'm in the United States, and this claimed to be a British promotion. So getting beyond the obvious, the message claimed to come from, in all capital letters, the International Awareness Promotion Department of the BMW Automobile Company. Then we shift to upper and lower case, 22 Garden Close, Stamford Links, PE9, 2YP, London, United Kingdom. We have a reference number, we have a ticket number, we have a batch number. Well, chances are pretty good that BMW knows enough not to create an email that uses all capital letters because nearly everybody today understands that all caps is equivalent to shouting. But beyond that, I asked some acquaintances in London if the address made any sense, and all of them agreed that the address cannot be in London if it's in Lincolnshire, which is indicated by links. I was also told that it makes sense, the address itself does make sense, if you take London out. John Elphick pointed out that although it appears genuine, it does not exist. According to the Royal Mail website, the houses in Garden Close, Stamford, only run from number 1 to number 19. If there were a number 22, the rest of the address, including the postcode, would be correct. So moving on to the letter. The letter told me, congratulations, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Does anyone beyond middle school write with three exclamation points? The board of directors, members of staff, and the International Awareness Promotion Department of the BMW Automobile Company wishes to congratulate you on your success as the star prize winner in this year's BMW Automobile International Awareness Promotion, IAP, held on Wednesday, 22nd of November, 2006, in London, England. Editor Kirsty Wagstaff, who lives in London, pointed out a grammatical error. She said that a UK business writer, even a bad one, would be unlikely to put a singular verb, wishes, after a plural subject. She continued, I might possibly wonder why the International Awareness Department of BMW was using the American term automobile, which is guaranteed to raise average UK hackles, instead of car. Or, indeed, why BMW doesn't have a dedicated British awareness department. But once you start thinking at all, the whole email is blown away. Are you sure it wants deconstructing at this level? The writer does pick up a couple of bonus points, however, by using a believable date. The message arrived on November 24th, two days after the supposed drawing. The message continued. The selection process was carried out through random selection in our computerized email selection system, CESS, from a database of over a million email addresses from the World Wide Web drawn from all the continents of the world. All the continents. I wonder how many entrants they got from Antarctica. By the way, a note to the writer, words ending in I-Z-E in U.S. English usually end in I-S-E in U.K. English. I would expect computerized with an S from a British writer. At least that's what I thought. Kirsty Wagstaff corrected me that that's not very strong evidence. Anything computer-related is liable to be seen with the U.S. spelling in Britain. So continuing on to the offer, this makes you the proud owner of a brand new BMW 5 Series M Sport saloon car and a cash prize of 500,000 GBP, 500,000 Great British Pounds in parentheses. The car comes with a special BMW insurance cover for one whole year, that is, till the next promotion in 2007. It also comes with a one-year warranty and free repairs at any BMW automobile depot or service station worldwide. I suspect that even a middle school British writer would know that one does not use the pound sign and GBP in the same sentence as was done here. 
That, however, turns out not to be the real problem. Wagstaff, again, notes that she might accept the use of both the pound sign and GBP as a slip. Even a genuine UK sales pitcher can be poorly literate, she says, although not those from BMW. But it would never occur to a Brit to gloss GBP as Great British Pounds. If someone else did it, it would be greeted with roars of ironic laughter once we got over the surprise, but we still might not make the connection with GB in GBP. The message went on to give me some information about the car, that it came with a six-disc CD changer, or at least preparation for it, in the glove box, that I would get 18-inch M sports-spoke alloy-style wheels, that the interior would have upholstery made of black Dakota leather, and there would be an advanced automatic air conditioning unit. Read through that one yourself and see what you think. So for me to collect the prizes, all I had to do was kindly contact Barrister Walther Hackman through email, stating receipt of this notification. The message told me he has been mandated to offer you free legal assistance and facilitate the urgent delivery of your prizes directly to you. Barrister, period, Walther Hackman, period, Phoenix Chambers, comma, 503 Hightower Road, Wimbledon, no punctuation, SW2, 3NE, comma, London, comma, UK. Email barr underscore Walther Hawk 007 at yahoo.co.uk. Congratulations once more and keep trusting BMW Automobile for top quality automobiles. Okay, one would have to be a fool to believe that BMW or any agency large enough to give away nearly a million dollars and an expensive car would use an attorney with a Yahoo email address, particularly one that ends in 007, and also includes Walther. Walther, of course, was the kind of gun that Bond carried until the mid-1980s, the Walther PPK. Do criminals have a sense of humor, or are they simply too dense to think of anything creative? And Kirsty Wagstaff came back with a reminder of an important distinction in British law that I had once heard but had forgotten. Barristers don't do this kind of work. No way would anyone ever be asked to apply to a barrister for something like this. Somebody has been looking lawyer up in the dictionary, she says, and chose the wrong option. For a start, members of the public do not approach barristers direct. Barristers conduct court cases only and get their instructions for a court case from a solicitor, the lawyer who is employed by the member of the public. Barristers are extremely classy birds and would never have a Yahoo email address. And the email came from Engineer Chris Duncan. Engineer Chris Duncan? Only in Dilbert's dream world would an engineer be given the task of notifying those unspecified recipients that they'd won a car and a million dollars. Neither in Britain nor in the U.S. is engineer used as a title. So had I answered the message, what do you think might have happened? Here's what I think would have happened. I would have heard back almost immediately from barrister Walther Hawkman. He would have painted a wonderful picture of the car and the money, but there would have been some sort of little problem. Some sort of little problem that could be solved only with a little money. Money that I would have to send him. And assuming that I sent him the money, and of course didn't receive the car, and didn't receive the check, then there'd be some other problem that I'd have to send him more money 
they string these things out, sometimes over months with people. They're called Nigerian 419 scams. They're called that because they originated in Nigeria. They're covered by Section 419 of the Nigerian Penal Code. That doesn't mean that all Nigerians are involved, and it doesn't mean that every one of them comes from a Nigerian. But a lot of them continue to be run by expatriate Nigerians. These scams have been around forever, not just forever on the Internet. In years past, I have received mail, not email, but regular mail from people with this kind of scam. I've received faxes. Now they're up to email. Whatever technology is available to let us communicate, the criminals will use. Don't get sucked into these. In nerdly news, the Electronic Frontier Foundation can't get no satisfaction. The Copyright Office of the Library of Congress has reviewed the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, the DMCA, as they are required by Congress to do every three years. The stated goal of the review is to ensure that new technologies are recognized by the legislation. So far, the result seems simply to maintain the draconian aspects of the law while providing precious little relief for users. This year, the Copyright Office granted six exemptions. That's the most ever. Unfortunately, says the Electronic Frontier Foundation, all the proposed exemptions that would benefit consumers were denied. If you want to read the full text of the six exemptions, they're on the Technology Corner website. As for the EFF, the organization is simply looking forward to the next session of Congress and hoping that Representative Rick Boucher, Democrat of Virginia, reintroduces his DMCA reform bill, House Resolution 1201. Google has some more free stuff for you. Now Google says your cell phone should be free. We all, of course, know there is no such thing as a free cell phone, just as there is no such thing as free radio or television. They're supported by advertising. Radio stations guarantee advertisers a certain number of ears. TV stations guarantee a certain number of eyes. That's Google's plan with the free cell phones. And they won't really be free. Google CEO Eric Schmidt says that people will spend as much as 10 hours a day interacting with mobile phones of the future. Those phones will do a lot of the things that today's computers do. As for free phones, well, that's sort of a misnomer. The service itself would be free. You'd probably still have to pay for the phone. Schmidt compared cell phones to newspapers. They aren't free either, but they cost far less than they would if advertisers didn't pay a large chunk of the cost. Drop me a note. I'd like to hear from you. Let me know where in the world you are, what you think of the format, the address, bill.blin at techbiter, T-E-C-H-B-Y-T-E-R dot com. Thanks for listening. This has been Technology Corner for the week of December 3, 2006. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website, www.techbiter, T-E-C-H-B-Y-T-E-R dot com. Didn't I just say that? You can also send email from there. Thanks. Bye-bye.